Hello, happy Tuesday for you. This is Keith Thews here at News Source 1 Michiana getting you up to snuff on the war update for Ukraine. We're focusing on domestic gas prices and local gas prices. And the speech earlier today, uh, President Biden delivered to the country his press conference um, effectively cutting off oil ties with Russia. Yesterday, history was made in America on average $4.17 for a gallon of gas. That's a record amount for the United States. Locally, prices jumped in Elkhart County 25 cents from morning into the afternoon and up to 25 cents. Just an incredible rise, uh, about one penny higher than the record around here, at least in Elkhart County back in 2012, I believe. So $4.25, just incredible. Jackie Wilarski last night showed uh, on her Facebook, which we shared a gas price in the area of $4.39 per gallon. So obviously we are, we've been warned that it was coming we can't blame the president. Uh, I know there's a number that want to, um, but there's uh, the factors in, and, and there's not a lot of oil that we get from Russia, but it is also part of the cutting of the ties. I believe we get like 7% of uh, our oil from Russia or had up until this day. Also on a side note, I saw on Facebook that uh, McDonald's is also uh Closing operations temporarily, they claim, in Russia. Things have gone very oppressive for media and uh, other avenues of expression. Um, we've been hearing reports of the protests and, and also getting reports of some of the roads opened up for humanitarian purposes leading to, to Russia. And, and we've obviously seen the video with swearing in it of the mortar attack on that family. Such a horrific situation that took place. But our podcast today, we need to get on to it, which is important. It comes from uh, ABC News, their audio of President Biden's speech today to the nation in his press conference, dealing with the severing of ties of Russian oil. So let's get to that right away. Stay tuned for more podcasts on the war from John Schaefer and myself, also, if you're listening to our station on iRadio, we have um, the speech or we have uh, the latest podcast from CNN. So uh, get a chance to check that out. All right, let's go to ABC Network and the President of the United States. This is the number 15 in our series. Of course, adds to the already crippling sanctions targeting Vladimir Putin, the Kremlin, uh, and the Russian economy. The White House under pressure from Ukraine's President Zelensky uh, and both parties in Congress to take this action, even at the risk of soaring oil and gas prices uh, right here at home. Russia is the world's third largest energy producer behind the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. About 3% of oil used in America last year came from Russia. Gas prices, and you don't need me to tell you this, have been hitting record highs across this country since the war in Ukraine first started. Uh, this morning, Gas Buddy now reporting the national average now at 4.20 per gallon, oil now up to about $129 a barrel. Some believe it could hit $170 a barrel by the end of the week.
This is a rare move since this war began, the U.S. making a move without all of its European allies at once. And the obvious factor, Europe is extremely reliant on Russia for its energy supplies. 25% of Europe's oil and up to 40% of Europe's natural gas supply comes from Russia, though we are learning just moments ago that the U.K. has announced that it will phase out the import of Russian oil and oil products by the end of the year, a phase-out. Uh, president Biden entering the Roosevelt Room there to make these comments. Let's listen to the president. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in the Congress and, I believe, in the country. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support the Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. This made, we made this decision in close consultation with our allies and our partners around the world, particularly in Europe, because a united response to Putin's aggression has been my overriding focus to keep all NATO and all of the EU and our allies totally united. We're moving forward with this ban, understanding that many of our European allies and partners may not be in a position to join us. The United States produces far more oil domestically than all of European all the European countries combined. In fact, we're a net exporter of energy. So we can take this step when others cannot. But we're working closely with Europe and our partners to develop a long-term strategy to reduce their dependence on Russian energy as well. Our teams are actively discussing how to make this happen. And today, we remain united. We remain united in our purpose to keep pressure mounting on Putin and his war machine. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. I said I would level with the American people from the beginning. And when I first spoke to this, I said defending freedom is going to cost. It's going to cost us as well in the United States. Republicans and Democrats understand alike understand that. Republicans and Democrats alike have been clear that we must do this. Over the last week, I've spoken with President Zelensky several times to hear from him about the situation on the ground and to consult and continue to consult with uh, our European allies and about U.S. support for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Thus far, we've provided more than $1 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Shipments of defensive weapons are arriving in Ukraine every day from the United States, and we, the United States, are the ones coordinating the delivery of our allies and partners of similar uh, weapons, from Germany to Finland to the Netherlands. We're, we're, we're working that out. We're also providing humanitarian support for the Ukrainian people, both those still in Ukraine and those who have fled safely to a neighboring country. We're working with humanitarian organizations to surge tens of thousands of tons of food, water, and medical supplies into Ukraine, and with more on the way. Over the weekend, I sent Secretary Blinken to visit uh, our border between the border between Poland and Ukraine and to Moldova to see what the situation was firsthand and report back. General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of our Defense Department, is also what was also in Europe, meeting with his counterparts and allies on NATO's eastern flank to reassure them, those countries bordering Russia, NATO countries, that we will keep our NATO commitment 
sacred commitment article of Article 5. The Vice President Harris is going to be traveling to meet with the, our allies in Poland and Romania later this week as well. I've made it clear that the United States will share in the responsibility of caring for the refugees so the costs do not fall entirely on the European countries bordering Ukraine. And yesterday, I spoke with my counterparts in France, Germany, and the United Kingdom about Russia's escalating violence against Ukraine and the steps that we're going to take together with our allies and partners around the world to respond to this aggression. We are enforcing the most significant package of economic sanctions in history, and it's causing significant damage to Russia's economy. It has caused Russian economy to fight, frankly, crater. The Russian ruble is now down to 50 percent, by 50 percent since Putin's announced his war. One ruble is now worth less than one American penny. One ruble is less than one American penny. And preventing Russia's central bank from propping up the ruble and to keep its value up. They're not going to be able to do that now. We cut Russia's largest banks from the international financial system and has crippled their ability to do business with the rest of the world. In addition, we're choking off Russia's access to technology, like semiconductors that are and, uh, and sap its, uh, its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. Major companies are pulling out of Russia entirely without even being asked, not by us. Over the weekend, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, they all suspended their services in Russia, all of them, joining a growing list of American and global companies from Ford to Nike to Apple. They've suspended their operations in Russia. The U.S. stock exchange has halted trading of many Russian securities. And the private sector is united against Russia's vicious war of choice. The U.S. Department of Justice has assembled a dedicated task force to go after Russian the crimes of Russian oligarchs. And we're joining with our European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets, and all their ill-begotten gains to make sure that they share in the pain of Putin's war. These, by the way, are giant yachts. You've put some of them in your press. I mean, some of them are, I think I've read one was over 400 is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The decision today is not without cost here at home. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up cents. It's going to go up further. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. In coordination with our partners, we've already announced that we're releasing 60 million barrels of oil from our joint oil reserves. Half of that, 30 billion, million, excuse me, is coming from the United States. And we're taking steps to ensure the reliable supply of global energy. We're also going to keep working with every tool at our disposal to protect American families and businesses. Now, let, me, let me say this to the oil and gas companies and to the finance firms that back them. We understand Putin's war against the people of Ukraine is causing prices to rise. We get that. That's self-evident. But, 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 it's no excuse to exercise excessive price increases or padding profits or any kind of effort to exploit this situation or, Amer or American uh, consumers. Exploit them. Russia's aggression is costing us all. And it's no time for profiteering or price gouging. I want to be clear about what we'll not tolerate. 
But I also want to acknowledge those firms and oil and gas industries that are pulling out of Russia and joining other businesses that are leading by example. This is a time when we have to do our part and make sure we're not taking we're not taking advantage. Look, let me be clear about uh, two other points. First, it's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. We're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the United States, and we're on track to set a record of oil production next year. In the United States, 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Second, this crisis is a stark reminder. To protect our economy over the long term, we need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be wean themselves off of Russian oil. It's just not, it's just not tenable. It should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. This is a perspective that our European allies share and the future where together we can achieve greater independence. Loosening environmental regulations or pulling back clean energy investment won't, let me explain, won't, will not lower energy prices for families. But transforming our economy to run on electric vehicles powered by clean energy with tax credits to help American families winterize their homes and use less energy, that will, that will help. And if we can, if we do what we can, it will mean that no one has to worry about the price of the gas pump in the future. That'll mean tyrants like Putin won't be able to use fossil fuels as weapons against other nations. And it will make America a world leader, manufacturing and exporting clean energy technologies of the future to countries all around the world. This is the goal we should be racing toward. Over the last two weeks, Ukrainian people have inspired the world. And I mean that in a literal sense. They've inspired the world with their bravery, their patriotism, their defiant determination to live free. Putin's war, Putin's war has caused enormous suffering and needless loss of life of women, children, everyone in Ukraine. Both Ukraine and, I might add, Russians. Ukrainian leaders, as well as leaders around the world, have repeatedly called for a ceasefire, for humanitarian relief for real diplomacy. But Putin seems determined to continue on his murderous path, no matter the cost. Putin's now targeting cities and has been targeting cities and civilians, schools, hospitals, apartment buildings. Last week, he attacked the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, with an apparent disregard for the potential of triggering a nuclear meltdown. He has already turned two million Ukrainians into refugees. Russia may continue to grind out its advance at a horrible price, but this much is already clear. Ukraine will never be a victory for Putin. Putin may be able to take a city, but he'll never be able to hold the country. And if we do not respond to Putin's assault on global 
peace and stability today, the cost of freedom, and to the American people will be even greater tomorrow. So we're going to continue to support the brave Ukrainian people as they fight for their country. And I call on Congress to pass the $12 billion Ukraine assistance package that I have asked them for uh, of late. Ukrainian people are demonstrating by their physical courage that they are not about to just let Putin take what he wants. That's clear. They'll defend their freedom, their democracy, their lives. And we're going to keep providing security assistance, economic assistance, and humanitarian assistance. We're going to support them against tyranny, oppression, violent acts of subjugation. People everywhere, and I, I think it's maybe even surprised some of you all, people everywhere are speaking up for freedom. When the history of this war is written, Putin's war on Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. And God bless all those heroes in Ukraine. And now I'm off to Texas. Thank you very, very much. I know there's a lot of... I know... I know there's a lot of questions, but there's a lot more that has to be made clear, and I'm going to hold on that until we get more information. Thank you. Appreciate it. President Biden there in the Roosevelt Room at the White House announcing the uh, ban now being put into place, the U.S. ban on Russian oil products. This is uh, the imports coming in from Russia, a significant move by President Biden. It had Republican and Democratic support from Congress. In fact, there had been growing calls in recent days for this to be put into place. He mentioned many European allies. They have been uh, operating in lockstep with one another since uh, Putin's war inside Ukraine. He said this particular step, though, uh, he understood why many might not be in the position to do what the U.S. is doing at this moment because they are far more dependent uh, on Russian oil. He also talked about gas prices here in the U.S. going up 75 cents just since uh, Putin's unprovoked invasion began, suggesting it could go up, obviously, uh, even further and the steps that would be uh, taken in the coming days and weeks to try to mitigate that. I want to bring in our chief White House correspondent, Cecilia Vega, uh, tracking all of this with me. She's live at the White House. And Cecilia, uh, we had a sense this was coming, but the president had to make that, that decision, that equation in his head there at the White House about how hard this would hit the American people uh, while trying to hit Vladimir Putin as well. Yeah, David, he really has to walk a fine line on this one. And you heard him here say that this is another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. You know, really, there was this growing narrative in the last few days that the administration wasn't doing everything in its power to deliver another painful blow to Russia's economy. This was a major tool in the president's tool belt that they really had been hesitant to use because you heard him say there are going to be a number of European allies who cannot go this far and take this step. Though we did, David, just find out that the U.K. is announcing its plans to start to phase out Russian oil. We expect other EU allies to start to do the same, but we're still talking about a long way down the road. This is going to take a long time for them to do because of this great dependency that they have on Russia's oil supply. The White House, as you've been saying, was really pressured to do this. There were pleas from Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine for them to do this. Bipartisan support on Capitol Hill. Nancy Pelosi said that they should absolutely do this. You heard the president there say, though, that the Americans are going to feel this. This is something that is going to hit Americans 
Americans here at home. They're trying this administration now to figure out ways to use alternative energy. You heard the president talk about releasing oil reserves. And, and David, we've been also reporting out this trip that, Amer that officials here at the White House have taken in recent days to some pretty surprising countries like Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, countries with huge oil reserves and not great relations with this country at the potential risk of some political blowback, though, the administration trying to figure out which countries might be able to help ease some of this pressure on European allies. Yeah, we'll be fascinating to follow that part of the story in, in, in the days ahead. Cecilia, thank you. Let's get right to our chief business correspondent, Rebecca Jarvis. You heard Cecilia say the president uh, warning the American people they could be feeling this here at home and relatively quickly. Rebecca, what, what to expect here at home? Well, David, this is, frankly, one of the most powerful financial weapons the United States has against Russia. Russia gets most of its money from oil exports to the world, but the trade-offs are clear. U.S. consumers, Americans, already paying $4.20 a gallon at the pump. That is an all-time record high. Americans paying about $250 million more today on gasoline than they were 30 days a month ago, and that hits the poorest Americans hardest. It also has ripple effects on the economy. The more money you spend on gasoline, the less money you have to spend elsewhere. It can end up straining the economy and costing jobs if it persists for a long time. And there are also questions of how to make up this supply. The United States does produce a lot of energy, but ramping up domestic production isn't something that can happen overnight. They in the energy space and the energy industry are facing some of those same supply chain constraints that we have heard about for the last year coming out of the pandemic. Meantime, you have those conversations that are happening with OPEC, with countries like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, which might in the near term be able to make up some of the gaps, but don't come without their own controversy. And then, David, finally, you have this question of demand. Will American consumers demand less oil? Will American businesses demand less oil in order to help stabilize prices? Still a lot of unanswered questions and clearly a big impact already on this economy, David. Yeah, perhaps changes uh, in the long term, but certainly not for families across the country in the short term who just have to get through their days uh, with, the, with their own duties that they have to do with their own families. Uh, Rebecca, thanks so much. Tracking gas prices here at home. Uh, one more question before we go. We want to bring in our senior foreign correspondent, Ian Panna, live in Kiev. Uh, Ian, you heard the president there saying, Vladimir Putin may be able to take a city. He will never be able to hold the country. And we're curious how the ceasefires that had been promised to try to help some of these people trying to flee uh, Ukraine, how that's working in the last 24 hours, what you saw there before uh, the sunset. Yeah, I mean, there have really been imperfect ceasefires. There have been thousands of civilians, however, uh, not just today, but over the last couple of days, who've been able to get out of some key areas in Sumy over by the Russian border. This is near the Kharkiv region. Uh, it had suffered heavy bombardment overnight. There was one incident, 21 people killed, including two children. But today we saw Red Cross buses going into the town and signs that people were able to go out. But in other areas, for example, near here in Kiev, uh, around Erpine, we were there, we were witnessing uh, thousands of people leaving the town over the last few days, and yet we were hearing the sound of regular bombardment. And there are other cities which are now totally cut off tonight. Some of them have been cut off for days, like Mariupol. They have no food, no water, no, uh, no heating, uh, and there are reports of bodies on the street, no one's collecting them, children sheltering in the basement. Uh, the suffering that's been imposed by Putin is absolutely evident everywhere. But the other key thing to bear in mind in terms of their advance, yes, it's moving forward, but it's kind of inching forward. 
the, the Russian forces have not taken one major city since they took Kherson uh, four or five days ago. They're, they're trying to move on these places, but so far their success is being slowed by the Ukrainian resistance. And when President Biden talks uh, about Ukraine will always remain free and belong to the Ukrainians, President Putin has certainly bitten off a huge chunk here, and it remains to be seen whether or not he can achieve his war aims as he intends, without these consequences paying, for, uh, paying too heavily for him. Ian Panel right there in Key Forest. Uh, Ian, thank you. Describing, of course, the worsening humanitarian crisis there on the ground in some of these cities that have had uh, their own supplies cut off and they're, they're waiting to get out. And, and, of course, the refugee crisis that we continue to watch as they flee the borders. Again, moments ago, announcing and really the world, this U.S. Russia oil in prices certainly expected to go up even higher. Run will continue to follow this at ABC News Live, ABCNews.com, and of course, I'll be back with the entire team you just saw here uh, later today for World News Tonight. I'm David Muir in New York. For many of you in the East, your new news is next, and I'll see you soon. Good day. I'm Diane Macedo. Again, President Biden coming out with this announcement this morning that the U.S. is banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy, saying that the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. Let's bring in ABC's Alex Prochet, who's in Washington, and Phil Lipoff across the border from Ukraine in Poland with more on this. And Alex, I want to start with you because the president, of course, is touting the need to do this, the bipartisan support behind this move, and the fact that, as he said, we're going to deal another blow to Putin's war machine. But he also says, you know, fighting for democracy is going to cost us, in this case, in our wallets. So what is President Biden trying to do to limit the impact here on the U.S., and what is the expected impact here and in Russia? Well, Diane, I mean, we've already seen uh, rising gas prices here domestically. The national average, Rebecca Jarvis was talking about this just a moment ago, right around about $4.20 that is expected to climb. In fact, uh, when news broke about Biden's announcement today, uh, oil uh, oil per, uh, per, per barrel already went up. Uh, and, and you can expect those numbers to, to, to climb significantly. But I, I think right now, the Biden White House, I mean, they, they had been a little hesitant to, uh, to, to, to sanction oil because of the economy. But this growing Democrats and Republicans, Russian gas and oil, uh, ultimately uh, getting them on board. We've already seen some uh, some 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 uh, reaction from senators. Senator Joe Manchin, who was leading that congressional effort to ban oil, saying that this is something that made him very very happy. And I, I want to bring in senior foreign correspondent Ian Panel, who is there in Ukraine. Ian, uh, you've been there since the beginning of this invasion. We heard President Biden saying that. If Ukraine will there will be no victory in Ukraine for Russia regardless of, of how this plays out and that we need to get involved now so we can avoid worse things in the future. What do you think uh, an intervention like this means there in Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly the spirit of Ukraine is that Russian forces will not succeed. Of course, we don't know what the total war ambitions are of Vladimir Putin, but it seems to be able, uh, seems to be trying to take control of a lot of major cities and potentially try and change the government here. I mean, in the early stages, they were saying that they didn't want to be occupying forces. Well, it's very hard to control the trajectory of a conflict like this once you put troops on the ground. Uh, and as they say, the enemy gets a vote. I mean, you know, the Ukraine 
Ukrainians and Russians, when they meet on the battlefield, the reality starts to play out. What we're seeing is that the advance of the Russian forces has been much slower, much harder than they could possibly have imagined. The resistance from the Ukrainians is stiff uh, pretty much across the country. You know, if you actually look at their battlefield gains in terms of major cities, they've only really taken one major city. I mean, that assault on Kharkiv, the country's second largest city, uh, which started a good week or so ago, they still haven't managed to take it. Um, Kherson they managed to take, but anywhere else has resisted. But the situation on the ground for civilians is dire. And this is probably part of Putin's playbook. Try and apply as much pressure as you can to a, a, essentially force either a retreat or a surrender from those cities. This is what we saw in Homs in Syria uh, and other places. So, for example, tonight in the city of Mariupol, for four or five days, people there have had no power, no heating, food is limited, there are reports of bodies on the street, nobody's collecting them, uh, citizens unable to leave, and although today we did have either a lull in fighting or imperfect ceasefires, and thousands of people were able to get out of some cities. The picture overall uh, is still pretty dire, and the Ukrainians going to stand and fight. And you know, everyone that I meet, when you say, because they ask, who do you work for? And when you say it's ABC America, uh, they always have warm words towards the American people and towards President Biden. People here are acutely aware of the support that they're getting, and that is also providing them with sucker to stand and fight and resist, because they know effectively that they're not alone. And the kind of uh, impact... The sanctions that have been enacted uh, and also now this announcement by President Biden will undoubtedly be welcomed by the Ukrainians and they'll be looking to Europe to follow, uh, follow suit. And I want to go to Chief White House correspondent Cecilia Vega on that point because Cecilia, the president made it clear that this was not a decision made just by the White House, that he's been in touch with our allies, with our partners in making this decision. Uh, but there have been calls for a while now to do this. So why now? Yeah, they were really backed into a corner on this one, Diane. And, and look, in the last few days especially, there started to become this growing narrative that President Biden and the White House weren't doing enough to tap into every tool that they have at their disposal to really hit Putin on another, a stronger economic front. And specifically, uh, using this one on banning oil imports from Russia, there was this bipartisan push from Congress. Uh, Nancy Pelosi saying, even going as far as uh, basically countering the White House at that time, she was all for this. Uh, President Zelensky there in Ukraine had been pleading with Western allies uh, at the, with the U.S. at the forefront to do this. But look, there was a real fear here uh, from this president who had been, who has all along say, been saying that this White House is going to move in lockstep with allies and not wanting to go at this alone and having this damage, particularly EU allies, because of this dependency that they have on Russian oil imports. We did just hear a few minutes ago that the U.K. is announcing this plan to start to phase out uh, dependence on Russian oil, but this is going to take a really long time, and you might start to see other European allies follow suit, uh, but the president said today very explicitly, we're doing this, and we realize that other allies may not be in a position to do this. You know, you had asked earlier what the administration is doing to try to offset some of these costs, because the president is very concerned about this hitting Americans in their pocketbooks here at home. Um, some of the things that they're doing is looking at releasing oil reserves here. That's going to be a potentially a big deal. They've got uh, the, the, this debate here in Washington 
Washington considering this gas tax holiday. The White House hasn't signed on to that one, but that, that push is growing louder by many on Capitol Hill. And, and particularly now you've got officials here from the White House traveling to countries that might be surprising to some given the lack of a relationship that the United States has uh, with places like Venezuela uh, and a controversial relationship with Saudi Arabia looking to explore ways with these countries that have these vast oil reserves, uh, trying to figure out if, if perhaps there is a way to tap into some of those reserves to help offset some of the damage uh, that a move like what's happening today could do to European allies. Our chief White House correspondent, Cecilia Vega, thank you. And I want to bring in our chief economic correspondent, Rebecca Jarvis, for more on how this is affecting the people of the United States. Rebecca, we heard President Biden there saying that he's not mincing words, that this is going to cost us as well. He'll do everything he can to keep those prices down. But what does this mean for people who don't have a choice? They need to put gas in their cars every day and go to work. Well, Diane, Cecilia raises the, the point that there are really no easy answers here. First of all, we've already seen what this escalation has meant over the last month for energy prices. The national average today is $4.20. That means America, on average, every single day is paying $250 million more on gasoline than they were 30 days ago. And for the poorest Americans, that hits the hardest. It takes up the biggest part of the budget. But when you look at the overall economy, it's also a concern because the more money we spend on gasoline, the less money we have to spend elsewhere, the more persistent that is. In other words, the longer that lasts, the lower the growth is that we have for our economy. And that can ultimately translate into jobs. Uh, that's not what anybody wants to see at a time like this where prices have already been rising in the wake of the pandemic and really sped up in the last couple uh, of weeks here with this escalation. In addition to that, there are these questions about how we replace the supply. Russia delivers about 3% of the oil that we used here last year in the United States, and already U.S. companies have been both deciding on their own to stop importing Russian oil, but in addition to that, under immense pressure, have stopped just this week. Shell took oil from Russia. They bought oil from Russia and under immense pressure just this morning announced that they will no longer be buying oil or natural gas from Russia. The issue is where to get that, where to make up for that. Domestic production can make up for some of it. You heard Cecilia talk about releases from the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That is temporary. The longer-term relief, like increased domestic production and also going out to sources like OPEC, uh, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, that's not without controversy. And it also is going to take time, which is why the president is saying here that America has to be ready for this because already we've seen the increases in prices and the projections, the forecast, Diane, are that prices are going to keep climbing from here because when you pay, what, what you pay at the pump comes back to what oil prices are and oil prices with Russia being the world's third largest energy producer are going to climb as they have on this news and very likely will continue to climb. Diane? And Rebecca, is there a sense for what potential the U.S. has in terms of ramping up domestic production of oil and other energy sources? Well, it's a very important question because as it stands today, a lot of the energy producers in the U.S. have said we're facing the same supply chain issues that other companies have been talking about, and we can't just ramp up overnight. We can't necessarily find the staff to do it. We can't necessarily find the resources to do it. So it's going to take time, Diane. Chief Economic Correspondent Rebecca Jarvis, always great to have your analysis. Rebecca, thank you.
And of course, our thanks to all of our correspondents on the ground covering this story from every angle. I want to go over to Phil Lipoff, who's in Lublin, Poland, just across the border from Ukraine. Phil, I know you've been monitoring the refugee crisis for us, but we heard uh, President Biden there uh, talking about how he will be looking to our partners and our allies to follow suit um, on this move in many ways. What is it like in Poland right now in terms of energy prices, and how could this impact efforts there as Poland becomes home to more than half of the Ukraine? refugees leaving the country right now. Diane, Poland is having a, a similar problem uh, as America and other countries around the world right now because of the Russian aggression. We passed a couple of gas stations on our way to the border and to uh, a reception center today taking refugees. And a quick calculation from Zawada to dollars, it looks like a gallon of gasoline is about around 550 here, gallon of diesel around 650. That's gone up about a dollar 50 uh, just over the last couple of weeks. So they're feeling the pain at the pump here too, but Poland's really unique right now in this crisis because, as you point out, it shares that long border with Ukraine. And this country has taken in roughly 1.2 million Ukrainian refugees. And so this country has a bigger problem, we'll say, than just looking at the pump. They have to figure out how to take care of these refugees. The Polish government is looking at a package of roughly $1.7 billion to help these refugees out as they're helping them out all across the country as we speak. Understandable. Phil Lipoff in Lublin, Poland for us. Thank you, Phil. We'll be right back. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 2.5.